Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Uh, as we've been on Sunday evenings uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians, and I'd ask you to turn there. We'll be in the 7th chapter, and we will... Uh, begin reading here in just a moment. Of course, the Apostle Paul has been uh, talking and writing to this church at Corinth, giving them uh, some answers to, or really some instructions as to what was going on within that particular church. Uh, In the first few chapters, he's dealing with them about having unity uh, within the church and the importance of unity. And I would say that that's one of the most important things we can have even in our church uh, is a unified position uh, on the gospel, on the doctrines of God, uh, and even in our spirit and how we present things, uh, that we would have a unified spirit within that. And Paul deals with that uh, with this church. In chapter 5 and chapter 6, Paul is starting to uh, make some corrections uh, for this church, and he deals with some pretty heavy topics Uh, within those two chapters uh, about uh, some reports that he had gotten from the household of Chloe. We learned about that in chapter 1. And so Paul is starting to address that. Now, obviously, as we get into chapter 7, we're going to learn uh, a little bit more about that letter from that household of Chloe. And we will see exactly uh, some of the questions that they asked. And so these next several chapters are going to be Paul responding to certain questions that were asked within this letter um, as they wrote to him. And so let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The scripture says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, Let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also to the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. But I speak this by permission, not of commandment, for I would that all men were even as myself. But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord." Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, 
and let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. We'll stop there just for sake of time, so through 17 verses. Uh, one of the things that I'm coming to learn in, in and through my studies uh, in this book of 1 Corinthians is uh, really how much this church, or rather even uh, how much the culture that this church is in, uh, is beginning to remind me of the culture in which we live in. Uh, I've spoken about here in recent weeks about how uh, we need to learn how to minister in a post-Christian culture. Uh, Post-Christian culture is one that is no longer influenced by uh, the moral fabric or the morality of the Christian faith. Our, our culture in 2021, uh, worldwide, uh, obviously other countries have gone through this already. Uh, if you look at and study uh, the United Kingdom, uh, they have been in a post-Christian type of a culture for uh, several decades. Um, ours is uh, relatively new. Um, and so uh, when I say relatively new, I would say probably it's the trend started uh, 10 to 15 years ago rather than 30 or 40. Um, but uh, we, we live in a post-Christian culture. Now, the difference between this church at Corinth and the culture in which they uh, ministered in was theirs was more of what we might call a pre-Christian culture. Uh, there was uh, already a, a religious type of a background within this community, within this culture during this time, and it, it lended itself as Christianity was just beginning. Of course, this is the first century church. This church probably not very many years old as the Apostle Paul went and established this church. Uh, spent 18 months uh, helping them and getting them through. But there's something about this, this culture within the, within the city of Corinth that just reminds me of several aspects of what we would have in our culture as we uh, progress through this post-Christian time and influence. And, and so what we're going to deal with here, as Paul uh, noticed in verse number 1 where he says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, 
Uh, so we know that this that he's dealing with some questions that this church had. And so these next several chapters, Paul's going to be answering those. And so we're going to look at this, and I've just kind of titled it the questions answered section. Um, and uh, we might even title it uh, this way, Answers for a Difficult Culture. And so Paul is dealing with some things that this church is is and has been dealing with and has questions about. Now, I want to preface that if you have, uh, normally I would have the option to kind of scan my audience, um, but I do want to say if you have uh, young uh, children uh, with you watching right now, um, I'm, if I may suggest, I'm going to deal with some things uh, that may not be uh, child appropriate. Um, I'm going to do my best uh, to use appropriate language and different descriptions, um, but there are some things dealing with here that they had questions about um, that I am going to talk about. And so I'm kind of going through this uh, just to let you know uh, that I'm giving you time to kind of maybe even turn me off um, or uh, watch at another time when you're by yourself or just you and your spouse. Um, but uh, And I'm not going to deal with anything graphically or anything like that. Um, but I just say that because you, you deal with your children how you deal with yours and uh, as I do with mine. And, and so we're going to get right into this, though. So we're going to have a word of prayer. And if you need to uh, you know, embark on another journey uh, this evening, again, I encourage you to do that if you have young children there. Uh, maybe, you, maybe just dismiss them. Whatever you, whatever you see fit to do. Uh, you do so, but I just wanted to let you know uh, this is some of, the, some of the things we'll be talking about uh, in this message this evening. Uh, so let's pray, and we're going to jump right into our outline tonight. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for your goodness. I thank you for your watch care over us. I, I thank you for your protection. And uh, Father, I just pray now that you would help us as we go through this passage here in 1 Corinthians, that you would deal with us uh, where it may be fitting, and God, that you would give us much insight uh, as to what is taking place here in this chapter, uh, that we might apply it to our lives and to your service as we seek to serve you always. And Father, we'll be certain to give you the honor and the glory for all that is said and done here today. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, uh, the first thing that I want to talk about and address um, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, is the, the culture uh, that is within this church at Corinth here and the customs of this culture. Again, this is a culture that is much like ours. Um, we, we mentioned last week, I believe it was, as we discussed um, certain things in our culture like uh, the over- uh, sexualized part of our culture. Um, pornography is rampant um, in our culture. Uh, we have open, uh, open relationships today uh, like we've never seen before. Uh, homosexuality uh, and the, uh, the different genders, it is, uh, it's mind-boggling to me 
Uh, if you would have asked me as a, uh, as a young person uh, just learning about sexuality and different things, uh, I would have told you from a Christian point of view, uh, and you would have told me what we would be dealing with today in 2021, I would say you're crazy. Um, but yet, here we are in 2021, and we are dealing with uh, some of the most base and deviant forms of sexuality. There's even a, a, a movement uh, that is out there, while it is very small uh, currently, um, but uh, has to deal with uh, pedophilia, uh, wanting to make that legal. Um, the, the fact that that is even a thought ought to trouble us. It ought to disturb us. It ought to concern us in, in the realm of if we move as much as we have from the time that I was 10 years old in the last 34 years, we'll just round it up to 35. If we move as much or more in the next 35 years, I would dare say that that which they are wanting, some are wanting to make legal, could very likely become legal in our country. It ought, to, it, ought to, it ought to settle us. It ought to cause us to consider uh, what is that. And, and I say those things because when I look at the customs of the Corinthian culture, and I look at the over-sexualization of that particular culture, it, it just simply reminds me of what's taking place here today in our culture. Now, uh, one of the things about some of the customs of the, of the Corinthian culture is they were steeped in Greek mythology. Uh, that was their main religious focus uh, during that time. Uh, they, they would have said that the city of Corinth was uh, founded by the Greek god Zeus. Uh, they built temples uh, to the gods of Apollo as well as Poseidon and Aphrodite. Uh, Aphrodite being uh, the goddess of love. Uh, it, it's very disturbing to consider that within that temple of Aphrodite that it, they employed more than 1,000 prostitutes, both male and female. And this was uh, within the Greek culture. Uh, they still considered uh, certain types of acts to be uh, quote-unquote taboo, and you uh, didn't perform that in, uh, within the bounds and the guides of marriage, but within the temple of Aphrodite, because these prostitutes were considered slaves, they were held there, and though, so therefore they would go to uh, this temple and purchase prostitutes to uh, do the most base and ungodly acts uh, that they could think of. Um, it is believed uh, within this culture as well uh, that abortions were uh, something of a common practice, uh, especially within this temple of Aphrodite. Um, they had different, uh, different practices there to perform uh, you know, pre uh, or what we might consider medieval, uh, and really before medieval, but those practices uh, to abort babies. 
Um, and, and so we, we learn again that uh, there's, there's some very uh, disturbing things taking place within this Corinthian culture. But then when you consider and you make the comparison to that culture versus our culture, there's some to draw some conclusions that they were very similar. And, and I will tell you, our culture is only going to get worse and worse as we enter into the last days. But it doesn't mean there's no hope. Yes, sexually, uh, sexual promiscuity was very prevalent within this, even within this church at Corinth, uh, but definitely within the city of Corinth. And yet we see how God was able to move. God had a remnant here in this church of Corinth that as they learned, as they were taught, as they reached out and saw more people saved, God was doing something there. And I'm, I am convinced, I am certain that God can do it here in our culture, even though it may be considered a post-Christian culture. Why? Because the gospel still saves. There's still hope there. And so I give you these customs of the Corinthian culture, again, not to be crass and not to be unkind or gross or anything like that, but I, but I think it's important that we have a, an understanding of what this church was being saved out of. This is what they were being saved out of. And so it makes sense that they would have questions uh, about marriage and they would have uh, questions uh, about uh, divorce and they would have questions about uh, the, the young people and what they were supposed to do. And so they had these questions. And I want to start off this evening, uh, not just with the customs of the Corinthian culture, but we're going to look to our text at this time, and I want you to see, secondly, the confusion of the Corinthian church. They were confused about many things. As Paul starts off in verse number one, he says, I, you've written me these things. He says, and he just right off the bat, he just jumps right into it. He said, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, here's something that is um, that we have to draw the conclusion of. Of course, if we just took that verse out and set it to the side, uh, there, there may be uh, some questions there. Um, but this is not talking about a, a man shaking a woman's hand. Uh, it is not about a, a man maybe uh, putting uh, his arm his hand on a woman's back to steady her uh, if she were to fall or to help her up. Uh, that is not what he's talking about. And we see the context here, as he says in verse number two, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. You see, some of the things that this church was confused about is they were confused about sexuality. Uh, again, living in a culture where uh, sexuality was something that was very open, uh, it was very common, uh, whether it be inside the bounds of marriage or outside the bounds of marriage, it was taking place within this city. And, and so they needed to have this, this confusion set in place of what God expected from them. And so Paul is giving them this here, uh, and, and he goes on as he says, let the husband uh, again, let every man have his own wife, let every woman have her own husband. He says to avoid fornication, uh, to avoid the sexual promiscuity within their culture, he said, get married. 
get married. You don't have this. And he goes through even. And again, this is part of what I was talking about here that, that we were going to be really open with because the Bible's open with here. As he says, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. And likewise, also the wife unto her husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise, also the husband hath not power of his own body. But he says, defraud, not, or defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent. For a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontency. And so they had some confusion about marriage and the marriage bed. Um, and how it should be taken care of. And, and he goes through and he just says, look, uh, the wife doesn't have power of her own body and the husband doesn't have power of his own body. And, and he encourages them. He says, look, he, he says, give that due benevolence. And that is giving the idea uh, to do good to the other, uh, to have their good in mind, to have their good at your heart and to deal with that with kindness. And, and again, it's accompanied... Uh, that, that word benevolence is accompanied with a desire to promote the other person's happiness. So as we read this verse, he says, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise the wife unto the husband. So he's painting a picture here for us that within marriage... And even within the, uh, the sexualness of a marriage, he is saying that we should treat one another with a desire to promote their happiness over their own. So your spouse's happiness, your spouse's pleasure over your own. And so he goes through here and he says, uh, look, don't defraud one another. Uh, what he means is don't withhold yourself from each other unless you've done this for a time and for a purpose where you might be uh, giving yourself to prayer and to fasting. He says, and then he says, but make sure that if you're giving yourself to prayer and fasting that you would come together again that Satan not tempt you. And so that is there. And he says, as they were confused uh, about marriage, uh, not only were they confused about marriage, but they were also confused about divorce. They were confused about this. He says, uh, but I speak this by permission and not of commandment, for I would that all men were even as myself. But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. Paul was a single man. Uh, he didn't have a wife. And so he is speaking this by permission. He's uh, going outside of, in his own testimony, what we might consider to be the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm not giving you this. He's saying, this is my opinion, not necessarily the Lord's opinion. And, and so he says, look, it would be better... For you, if you're already single, you're not married, or you're a widow, he said it'd be better if you would uh, stay as he was. But then look at verse number 9 as he says, But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. Now look, 
again, in the, and I'm not, again, not trying to be gross or anything like that, uh, but he's going into uh, this idea that uh, there is within men and women a desire for uh, sexual activity. It is to be given within the bonds of marriage uh, where God has sanctioned that. And that is what he's talking about here, that you would be better if you could remain unmarried as Paul was, and he's going to explain that a little while later. Uh, but right now he says, but, but if you can't contain, what he's talking about there is within that sexual desire, he said, let them marry for it is better to marry than to burn. Better to marry than to burn. And so they're confused about sexuality, they're confused about marriage, they're, they're confused about singleness, they're confused also about divorce. Because he says in verse number 10, he says, and unto the married, I command, yet not I, but the Lord. So he's changing gears again, he's saying, look, this last part was my opinion, uh, but now I'm going to give you what God says, uh, and he says, let not the wife depart from the husband. I, I don't know... Uh, in, in, in anything of our culture uh, that is more prevalent uh, than uh, not just marriage. It's a normal part of our culture. Uh, but what has also become normal, accepted, and, and, and a, a common practice uh, among, uh, among and within our culture is that of divorce. Uh, it's very commonplace. You can get divorced for multiple different reasons. Uh, you can get divorced for unreconcilable uh, differences. Uh, basically saying we, we fought, we couldn't make up, and so we've decided to divorce. And, and this church, again, this pre-Christian culture, had the same outlook where you just came and went how you saw fit. And so they had questions about this, and Paul is saying, look, this is what the Lord is speaking here, and he's saying, I, I speak here that the wife depart not from her husband, but, but and if. Now, it's interesting that Paul would use that. So at first he says, don't, but and if. What Paul is saying here is, I realize, though, that this is going to happen. He says, while it shouldn't happen, I realize that it will and that it may. And so he says, let her not depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. And so we see God's desire within this, but we know it's going to happen. He says, but the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not that she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. You see, what is happening here is, they, again, they were just doing this for whatever. She's not pleased. He's not pleased. So he'd put a woman away. And then it says in verse 13, And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with, or he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. And so, again, you can see the confusion this is first century church. There weren't Christians before the first century. There just weren't. 
And, and so here's what's happening is the gospel is coming in and it's, it's coming to Corinth and people are getting saved, uh, maybe just one person uh, within a household. And, and they were confused here because they felt like, well, I'm no longer... Uh, we don't longer have the same uh, desires in life. And, and I have this, and I want to serve the Lord, and I want to serve God, and, and my husband or my wife does not. And, and so apparently, uh, they were looking for permission or looking for uh, a way out. And Paul says, no, no, no. If they have a desire to stay with you, let them stay. Stay with them. Stay married. And he goes through this. And so they were confused about this. Uh, In the verses following where we stopped off, in verse number 18, uh, he says, Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, he says, and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. He says it's not something that's going to disqualify you or qualify you for anything. Nothing. He said it's nothing. And so they were confused about this circumcision. They were again confused about remaining single. Uh, He says in verse number 20, he says, Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he is called. Art thou called, being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. So again, confusion here taking place as he says, Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Now, concerning virgins... That's the unmarried. He says, I have no commandment of the Lord. Yet I give my judgment or discernment, uh, is what he's saying here, as one that obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. So what Paul is saying here, uh, he obtained mercy from God to remain unmarried. But he says, I suppose, therefore, in verse 26, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. And thou bound, art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. He says, if you're married, he said, don't seek to get out of that. He said, art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. He said, if you're married, stay married. If you're not, stay that way. Uh, He said, it's not a big deal uh, within this. Uh, But he says, but and if thou marry. Notice this. Notice this, he says, but and if, because he says that again, because he knows people are going to get married. He says, if you do this, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. You know what I think Paul is saying here as he's dealing with this question about remaining single and this confusion here? I think what Paul is saying here is that marriage is hard work. Hard work. And within this hard work, you need to be aware of that. 
That's one of the reasons why uh, we, we recommend premarital counseling. I think it's very important that a young couple uh, getting married uh, in that time would have a good understanding of what they need to look forward to in marriage. Uh, we uh, typically have this fairy tale romance uh, about marriage because everything we've seen uh, portrayed to us in Hollywood and all of that, uh, we, we get to it and every time uh, it stops at the marriage and everybody lives happily ever after. Uh, but the fact of the matter is this, uh, while uh, you can be happy, it takes work to be happy. And it takes hard work sometimes. It takes removing your own pride out of yourself to set aside some of these things. And so Paul is trying to uh, deal with the confusion uh, within this church. Again, uh, we see that. So we see the customs, number one, of the Corinthian culture. Number two, we see the confusion of the Corinthian church. And number three, I want you to see the correction of the Corinthian church. So Paul is, is going through here and he's dealing with their confusion. And within that, he's giving some correction to what their mindset was or even what their culture is. And, and he says, uh, first off, again, it's okay to get married. It's okay. Fornication is not though. Again, we learned that uh, back in verse number two where he says, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. And, and so there, there is this, and so he goes through and he's correcting. He's saying, look, it's okay to get married. It's okay. Then he goes on to say, it's okay to stay married. Isn't that a novel idea? He said, it's okay to stay married, not divorce. He said, it's, he said, it's okay to stay single if you can and avoid fornication. But if you can't, it's better to marry than to burn. And, and so we see this correction also within the Corinthian church. And then lastly, I, I want to give you this last point here, because while we see the customs, we see the confusion, we see the correction, I'm going to give you this one also very quickly here, because we also see the counsel to the Corinthian church. The counsel to the Corinthian church. The, the first thing the first part of counsel that he gives is love your spouse. Love your spouse. Promote their happiness over your own. I'm just going to tell you, uh, I, I've learned from experience after 21 and a half years, uh, really 21 and three quarter years almost of marriage, that most of the time, well, maybe all of the time, whenever uh, Rachel and I will have a disagreement or something, it is because one of us, usually me, is putting my own happiness in front of hers. I didn't get or something didn't happen the way I thought it should or something didn't happen the way she thought it should. And the unmet expectations are the enemy of every relationship. And we have these certain expectations and we go through this and, and yet, Paul is counseling this church at Corinth. He's saying, look, your culture's not going to tell you this. You're, you're not going to learn this in the schools of, of the Cor Corinthian area. He says, but you need to love your spouse. Love your spouse. Promote their happiness over your own. The other counsel that he gives is stay married. Yes, marriage is hard. 
Marriage is hard work, and it's going to be. And when you add children into, it's going to make it even harder. He goes on here in this passage. As if you'll look down with me, he says in verse number thirty-two. He says, "But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belongeth to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world." how he may please his wife. Now, hold on a second. There is some truth to this, and what he's saying here is, if you're married, stay married. There's, again, there's nothing wrong with caring for the things of your spouse or a man caring for his wife and caring for his children. Again, Paul's already said within this, if you're married, stay married. If you're not and you can avoid fornication, stay single. Serve the Lord with all that you do. But listen and understand this, those that would say, well, I'm going to remain single my, the rest of my life. Listen to me, listen to me very closely here. You're bought with a price, though. If you're saved and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, it's not just to stay single so you don't have to care for a family. You're staying single so you can give your life to Christ. And all of that. And as long as you understand that is what you're giving your life to in your singleness, then so be it. So be it. But he says, stay married. Stay single if you're able. Because there's hard work that needs to be done. In verse number 38, if you'll drop down there, it says, So then he that, hath, uh, that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but... He that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. Again, talking about getting married or staying single. He says, The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be, to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. Notice that phrase, only in the Lord. That's an important phrase there. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment. Again, that word judgment simply means discernment. He said, and I think also that I have the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is a, a tough chapter to kind of grasp a, a little bit of. But when you understand the Corinthian culture, you can really understand their confusion on these matters. And, and I'm just going to caution us as a church and as believers, as much as much of the confusion that we have today on the same issues comes from partly the culture in which we live in. These things are all in front of us. They're all around us. And, and part of that confusion comes from there. And, and so, therefore, we need the correction. We need the counsel uh, from God's Word to know how we can get the tough questions answered even in the midst of a corrupt culture. It's all in the Word of God. I encourage you this week, go back through. Read this chapter to yourself. Break down some of those words you might not understand. Get a better understanding of the answers that Paul is giving to this church here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I just want to say thank you for uh, 
uh, listening this evening, staying with us. Uh, if you had to come back and watch uh, by yourself, I totally understand. Thank you for coming back. I appreciate it. And I want to say as well that uh, I look forward to having uh, everyone back next week uh, on October the 3rd. Just a reminder, no in-person services for the midweek service this Wednesday. Join us here, uh, right here. You can watch anytime. It uh, doesn't even have to be live. You can go to our channel and check all those things out. But I, I do appreciate you staying with us, sticking with us. We'll see you on October the 3rd. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then I'll be out of here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.